Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Despite their intelligence and friendly nature, rats are often hated by the public. Their role in spreading the plague has been greatly exaggerated. It was the fleas on the rats that actually carried the disease, and they've been considered a nuisance for probably a lot longer. Vermin to be exterminated with prejudice. But did you know that rats can detect gunpowder residue? That's how they're used in the Netherlands, because they're cheaper and easier to train than dogs. Even more amazing, the Gambian pouched rat of Africa has been trained to detect landmines and tuberculosis, all thanks to their incredible sense of smell. Regardless of their occupations or contributions to society, rats are still animals. They have basic needs like all of us, like food and shelter. In the wild, they scavenge for food wherever they can find it, often going to places where they aren't welcome, in search of their next meal. But in 1500s France, their disregard for farmers' crops gave the people of Autun so much trouble the town went to unbelievable lengths to remove them. All manner of exterminations were exacted on the rat population at the time, but no matter what they did, they always kept coming back. They destroyed plants and infested homes and businesses. It was an epidemic. Even the Catholic Church got involved and decried them as creatures of the devil. The Pope attempted to exorcise them while a bishop officially excommunicated them out of the country. But it didn't stick. The rats kept coming, and the crops continued to get eaten. So the town turned to more medieval methods. Rats were subjected to all kinds of torture and abuse, simply for existing within the borders of the city. But there was one method that people hadn't tried. It didn't require burning, or stretching them out on a rack, or even drowning them. Instead, the town served the rats with a summons to appear before the court. Their crime? Destroying the local barley crops, of course. The trial was to be conducted within the cathedral, but for a proper trial, there needed to be two sides. The town would be the plaintiffs, tired of fighting an unwinnable problem, while the rats were the defendants. And any defendant, no matter their crime, deserved proper representation. The town turned to a local pro bono lawyer named Bartolome de Casanus to argue on behalf of the rats. Yes, the rats were given their own lawyer. And a particularly clever one, too. Casanus had studied under the finest legal minds of the day and performed work for major figures at the time. He had already served the Duchy of Milan and Pope Julius II, and now he had been tasked with representing the unrepresentable a group of feral, disliked rodents, causing havoc for farmers all over the town. Unsurprisingly, on the day they were supposed to appear, the rats didn't show up. Casanus argued that the original summons couldn't be honored because rats were not pack animals. They were solitary creatures, and each rodent would need to be served individually. The court actually complied and reissued one new summons per rat. It didn't help, though, and they failed to appear on the second scheduled day. Casanus pointed out that the roads leading to the courthouse were hazardous for rats, given the presence of larger creatures like cats and dogs along the route. Once again, the lawyer had made a valid argument before the court. According to the law, if a defendant could not travel to court with a guarantee of safety, they were not obligated to attend the hearing and the summons could be ignored. 
No one knows what the final outcome of the trial was, but it's probably safe to say that all charges against the rats were dropped. Bartolome Ducasinus had won his case, and inadvertently became the first ever legal defender of animals. Twins are special. Identical or fraternal, their biology is unique, and they can be emotionally closer to each other than any other kind of sibling. Twins have been known to invent their own languages, a phenomenon known as cryptophagia. They sometimes develop ways of walking in sync with each other, too. They're different people, but often seem like they're living the same life. Twins Lazarus and Johannes Baptista Colorado were like that. They lived in Italy in the early 1600s and toured Europe demonstrating their unique talents. However, they weren't identical twins, or even fraternal. No, they were something entirely different. The pair were described by Thomas Bartolinus, a Danish anatomist, as being vastly different in size. Lazarus was 28 years old and a full-grown man. His younger brother Johannes, however, was much smaller. His features were underdeveloped, with many of them having not developed at all. Both of his hands only had three fingers, and his left foot hung down. His right foot seemed to have disappeared entirely. On top of that, the younger man's underdeveloped lungs made breathing difficult. He almost never opened his eyes, which was hard to do given the abnormally large size and shape of his head. But despite all of that, he was pretty attached to his brother. I'm not saying that they were close. I mean that Johannes was physically attached to Lazarus. To spectators, it appeared as though he was growing from his brother's chest. Though he lived and breathed, he couldn't eat. He gained nourishment from the food inside his older brother's stomach. The Colorado twins were parasitic twins, also known as asymmetrical or unequal conjoined twins. It happens when a fertilized egg doesn't fully split and one embryo completely develops while the other does not. They may have been among the first known cases of parasitic twins, but they certainly weren't the last. During the 1800s, a sideshow performer by the name of Lalu made his living exhibiting his twin. His sibling had developed with both hands and feet, even though he was sticking out of Lalu's chest. Decades later, a woman named Betty Lou Williams also made a career out of showing off her parasitic twin, which had been born with both legs but only one full arm. Betty Lou was the youngest of 12 children and became a sideshow performer when she was still a toddler. Her years of success allowed her to buy an enormous ranch for her family and then send her 11 other brothers and sisters to college. Doctors told her that her sibling's head had developed inside her own abdomen, which could have pushed all her other organs out of place or severely impeded her own growth. But they weren't concerned. They told Betty Lou she had a long, healthy life ahead of her, with just a few extra appendages along for the journey. Eventually, the child star grew into a young woman, and she gained the admiration of several local suitors. One man in particular captured her attention, and it wasn't long before the two got engaged. However, when they should have been planning for a wedding, he was planning for something else. Soon enough, it became clear that her fiancé had stolen more than her heart. He'd taken most of her money, too. Betty Lou couldn't believe that her true love would do something like that. She was hurt, and she was furious. But worse than that, the anger and panic he caused her had developed into an asthma attack so strong that Betty Lou couldn't handle it. 
She died of asphyxiation in her New Jersey home a short while later. She was only 23 years old. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.